Yeah. It's a quantum thing. It's a quantum thing, which would I, thing. which I actually said before you, but it reversed it. Yeah. So it sounds like Funny. you got there first. No, the way it happened is that I was saying that on another. Mm-hmm. I was saying that in another corner of the universe, right? And but I was saying it backwards, and then over here you were saying it forwards. Oh right. Yeah. It and when I said it, a cat died. Yeah, and when I said it, a frog jumped over the moon. Hmm. In a lot of ways, that's a better universe. Yeah. Journos, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Have you noticed that on like all of the radio stations, both public radio and like kind of the stuff over above 100, they're like, just say play Kiss FM to your smart speaker. Have you noticed that, that that's in there all the time? They have to remind people that these things are voice activated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah. The no hands lobby is working very, very hard to get people to blather away at stuff. Yep. And you know what kind of kicked it off in hindsight? What? Bluetooth. Bluetooth, those those little headsets. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of like the uniform of a sycophantic personal assistant in like 2002 mm-hmm. if you needed to like really quickly in the scene of a movie g- deliver that information to the viewer right like who this person is you just have somebody walk in with a bluetooth having this like weird one-sided conversation very aggressive it's never presented positively that's never a person that you want to be around it's always an agent who's over caffeinated or over cocaine or whatever yeah. it is and then like oh hold on I got something on the other line. Bam. Bam. Unaware of personal space. Doing the auditory version of man spreading with, with his voice. Yep. Oh, Bluetooth. Fun fact. You know the logo for Bluetooth? It's the swirly. Oh, the B. The, no, it's, it's not a B. You know what it is? T. It's, a, it's a Nordic rune. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Why? Why are you asking so many questions, man? I don't know. No, I, I can tell you why. <laughs> uh because I think Bluetooth was the name of an actual, not a pirate, but like an, uh, a, a Viking. They're all kind of pirates. But right, wasn't that what it was? Bluetooth yeah. was the name th- of a Viking guy. I think the Viking thing is like Vikings are pirates. It's like a square rectangle thing. Sure. Yeah. Like all Vikings are pirates, but not all pirates are Vikings. Yeah. Uh, Vikings are proto-pirates. I mean, they've been, they came around way earlier. Yeah. In a way, everything before a pirate was a proto-pirate. I would say the I would say the difference is this, right? The okay. both pirates and Vikings live to pillage. Uh huh. Wherever they go, they want to steal the stuff that's there and take it as their own. The difference is that because Vikings lived so much earlier, they yeah. would accidentally discover stuff. Yeah. Whereas pirates, you know, it's not like Blackbeard was floating around and, and like discovered Antarctica. It was like, aha! Yeah. They're an industrious group so they're industrious pirates have kind of a cut and dry vision of ownership they believe that what you have belongs to them eventually it should be theirs it, yeah. it kind of gets to them eventually mm-hmm. by hook or by crook Maybe. get it yeah come on i do iconic pirate captain hook <laughs> <laughs> he said sadly for some reason <laughs> What we like about Pirate Steven is that it allows us to talk about the theme of today's show, which is a little bit about how you claim new territories and what you do when you got there. Wouldn't yeah. you say? 
and specifically in this case, we're going to be talking about some big corporations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you know what? I'm just going to do you a favor. We're talking about Amazon, and we're talking about the sort of delightful surveillance state that Amazon has created via its many products and its unprecedented and overarching reach into our personal and private lives. Expanding all the time. All the time. But before we get there, Stephen, do you want to start with a tale of two beverages? Yeah. Interesting news coming out of the country of Japan. So because of the pandemic and just also just sort of general social trends, drinking alcohol is at an all-time low in Japan right now. They are, and they're actually so worried about it that the National Tax Agency launched this online contest that's designed to get Japanese grownups to start drinking more. This is an amazing, amazing riff on, you know, I think, I just think of got milk, except yeah. in this case, it's like beer bubble mustache, yeah. or like just a, a supermodel who's like passed out in a trash can. Got booze. One thing to note is the name of the contest. They're kind of uh, mixing genres here a bit. It's called Sake Viva. They decided to go with some Spanish branding a little for bit. reasons that are unbeknownst to us. I think that's above our pay grade. Anyways, uh, this project is asking people to submit business plans to, quote, lure a new generation into going on the sauce saying... Japan's sake, beer, and liquor makers are facing challenges that the pandemic has made even worse. This reporting coming from the NPR organization. So demographic changes are occurring. Uh, there's a declining birth rate and an aging population. All of these factors are leading to this reduction in alcohol consumption. So the government is sponsoring a contest to get people to not just drink more, but to really get it at the source, they're getting the best and brightest minds to think about the most innovative ways to get people to drink more. Of course, the missions include the metaverse, ways to you know leverage AI to get people to throw a couple back. That's where all the kids are hanging out, Stephen. You got to go to the metaverse if you want to get kids drinking. Yeah, and actually, one of the reasons why alcohol consumption is on the decline as a result of the pandemic is because in Japan, a very popular cultural pastime is to gather in these pubs called izakaya. That's where a lot of drinking goes down and a lot of really good food consumption occurs. But, you know, because of COVID, people aren't really going into these tiny little steamy joints and as a result are drinking less. So the- Steven, can I, can I ask you something? That's what I'm here for, man. Lean in close. Let me, okay. let me ask you something. Does the Japan National Tax Agency know that if they're trying to draw people into the metaverse, they're not actually mm -hmm. selling real booze? Oh, man. Jeez. Who's going to tell them? Not me, baby. Okay, not me. Again, above my pay grades. The contest is open to people from 20 to 39 years old. Uh, submissions are due on September 9th. We'll drop a link in the description here. So if you have a cool idea, go ahead and submit. I don't know if you can do it as a non-Japanese citizen, but one way to find out. And then anybody who makes it to the final round is going to be judged in person in Tokyo on November 10th. And judged by your respective God when you die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing has definitely received quite a bit of criticism because most countries around the world are actually going to great lengths to get their populations to drink less. And then there's another wrinkle here. The contest seems to be kind of underwritten by 
a large corporation called the Persona Group. They're operating the contest and the website where you put in the submissions, right? So it's this weird example of the state working with the private sector, getting the public to engage in a contest that is actually detrimental to their own well-being. Mm -hmm. But they're doing it in the name of profits. They're doing it very openly in the name of making money, right? And yeah. helping this industry that's flagging a little bit. Yeah, so they need the tax revenue and they need to help the industry. So, hey, let's get these uh, whippersnappers back off the wagon as soon as possible. That'd be a good campaign. There's a bunch of people on a horse-drawn cart and mm -hmm. talking and someone just starts punching them off. And then yeah. instead of being mad that they've been thrown into the dirt, yeah. they get up and they wave and they're really happy. And then... Yeah. Maidens come in with giant mm. glasses of beer. Yeah. And everybody starts drinking. And then a Japanese version of Spuds McKenzie yeah. shows up, 80s revival style. Everybody yeah. loves Spuds. Totally. I think they don't even make that breed of dog anymore. But And then some people, they hop on a surfboard. And then other people, they're doing these beach bonfires. And they're all just rocking out. That weird looking dog is there. And then at the very end, it says, Viva sake yeah get off the wagon and stay there coward damn i wish that we were japanese <laughs> citizens so that we could contribute to this you know yeah. it reminds me of in the early part of the 20th century edward bernays who was i believe the nephew of sigmund freud yeah. basically established the field of public relations by helping create campaigns to get americans smoking oh like, yeah he had like liberty girls who would smoke cigarettes because women weren't smoking cigarettes so he had these liberty girls who would go into parades and very ostentatiously smoke cigarettes it was sort of the freedom fries of the day mm -hmm. and it, you know and it worked like gangbusters because luckily you have an addictive chemical all you have to do is make it look cool and chemistry does the rest what's old is new again not unlike spudulous mckenzie yeah mm -hmm. totally mm -hmm. you know what else is old coca-cola yeah a brand that is synonymous only with itself, I guess. Yep. Coca-Cola has been in the market for a long time, but it too has to adapt. It has to do new stuff. Can't just keep being Coke, right? Nope. And so consequently, that means that there are certain, I guess I would call them spasms of marketing inspiration. Mm -hmm. In this case, Coca-Cola got some new drinks coming out on the market, Stephen, as part of the creations line. Okay. They've got one coming out called Dream World. Okay. And why? Why? Why is it called Dream World? No, why why new Coke? Why new new Why new Coke? more why new Coke? Why? I refer you to an Eater article that was just as frustrated as you. Okay. I like uh, I like this person. JS Saxena, the writer, says Coca-Cola is clearly not comfortable with being one of the most successful companies of all time. This is a quote. In capitalist parlance, if you're not growing, you're dying, which means there has to be innovation and new products and a soda that tastes like dreams that no one asked for. You know, there's board meetings yeah. where they have to do new stuff. So in this case, the latest one is something called Dream World. And as the press release says, it, quote, bottles up the technicolor tastes and surrealism of the subconscious with an invitation to savor the magic of everyday moments and dream with open eyes. Barf. It does not say that in there. There's also some invocation of tapping into Gen Z's passion for the infinite potential of the mind. That's per <laughs> Alessandra Casino, Coke's creative and shopper program director. Okay. 
The previous creation's flavor was Starlight, and according to Coke's senior creative strategy manager, it, quote, illuminated the idea of escapism and the infinite, out-of-this-world possibilities of space, and so on and so forth. So this should sound familiar, right? This very weird initiative by Coca-Cola. It's kind of desperate, right? It's We understand that the soda market is extremely competitive. You have this behemoth that has occupied a lot of the space, but still needs to expand further out. Mm-hmm. Not unlike, I don't know, Vikings, who need new territory to pillage. Yeah. And have to go out. And sometimes that is a violent process. And sometimes it results in weird hats. <laughs> that's what's happening here. That That's how you know a Viking was there. Mm-hmm. The hat. They All of a sudden they leave behind this sartorial artifact. Yeah. It goes without saying, though I'll say it anyway, that. Like a pointy hat? Like what kind of, like a Viking? Yeah, like a Viking hat. That's what like a Viking called. hat. Like the little metal that goes down your nose kind of. Mm-hmm. Nose guard. Yeah. And then yeah. the horns. Yeah, okay. Know. Dope. It's branding is what I'm yeah. saying to you. Vikings had a strong brand. Very it, strong. You know what? How strong that brand is? We're still talking about them today. Mm-hmm. Vikings are like they're like the Coca-Cola of pirates. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot argue with that. It's similar to the the booze contest too because what this is is a corporation you know using marketing and using the best and brightest of folks figuring out new and innovative ways to get people to continue to be hooked on sugar and do something that's ultimately bad for them so similarly they're trying to get smart folks in their 20s over in japan to think outside the box to get people hooked on booze again here we're just throwing pasta at the wall to try to get you know people in america and the world hooked on sugar and of course then you got to worry about all the resulting public health issues that's right diabetes extreme yeah they're gonna have to rebrand diabetes eventually (laughs) it's like at what point do they stop at what point does a company like coca-cola say okay we're here we're staying this is we've we've reached the apex and we're just gonna put her on autopilot from here on out but, but of course, they can't and they won't because that is the nature of capitalism and the nature of corporations is that there there's no end or rather there's no bottom to, you know, how far any money-making machine will go to make more money. They are relentlessly trying to get all up in our business. Expansion. Imperialism. Like the shark, if you stop swimming, you just sink to the bottom, Stephen. So... Can we talk about Amazon? You want to talk about Amazon? Yeah, let's get into some Amazon. Let's talk about some Amazon. Let's get zoning. I feel like Amazon has some serious kind of big Viking energy, don't you? Oh, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they got big Viking energy. And so because their desire for conquest in our private lives, it, it, it knows no bounds. They sell a lot of stuff and they buy a lot of companies and they're slowly becoming like this one mega mono corporation that sort of runs the world. So in the month of August, Amazon announced that it will be acquiring iRobot, the robotics company that makes the Roomba. I got a Roomba. I've been fighting with it all day today. Oh, well, it sounds like a big day, man. Um, the... Surprisingly, yes, for something that's <laughs> supposed to do all the work. Uh, you really have to like shuttle it around. and Yeah, anyway. well... It's middle class problems, Stephen. I understand that. Yeah, you you get it. You're a man of the people. 
Amazon <laughs> bought this company that they're buying it for $1.7 billion. We should note that iRobot first was like a defense robotics company. And they, that's how they got their start, building robots for the U.S. military. But about 20 years ago, they started adding these consumer vacuums. And then they terminated the defense business entirely from 2016. By the way, this is all being reported by the great folks over at Wired Magazine. So this is like a weird new addition to their portfolio because we all know about Alexa, right? We were taught, you know, these smart speakers who also listen to you. They also recently acquired Ring, the video doorbell company. And now they're actually have plans to acquire medical chain, one medical for $3.49 billion, all cash. Okay. The article quotes Evan Greer, who is the director of the nonprofit digital rights organization Fight for the Future. Greer says, people tend to think of Amazon as an online seller company, but really Amazon is a surveillance company. That is the core of its business model, and that's what drives its monopoly, power, and profit. They go on to say, Amazon wants to have its hands everywhere and acquiring a company that's essentially built on mapping the inside of people's homes seems like a natural extension of the surveillance reach that Amazon already has. You got to think about all of the data that they have from your shopping habits on when you're buying stuff on Amazon. So this is an example of this corporation continuing to expand its reach into into your homes. So that's what I'm saying. They're like Vikings. They weren't happy just listening to you. They weren't happy by just knowing all of your you know deepest, darkest secrets and psychological motivations based on your shopping cart online. Now they want to map the inside of your home. Yeah, and the geography of the place that you live. How often, I don't know, the average person loses their temper when the robot Lenny keeps oh. getting caught between the <laughs> legs of the mid-century modern table and can't figure out its way out, even though it's been under the table a million times. And it's really obvious that whoa, if it got whoa. under there, it could work its way out. It's not that hard. You're supposed to be a fucking smart robot. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come over here. You need. You want a hug? Come on. Bring what it I up. need is a Japanese drink. Ooh. Viva sake. Yeah. Sake viva. Yeah, there are a couple of things that are happening here that I think are kind of wild. Now, will you allow me a little bit of a media minute? Yes. Okay. If you look at the stories about Amazon acquiring iRobot, or Amazon acquiring One Medical, or any of the rest, there's a real uniformity to them, whether it's in the tech press or the mainstream media, whether it's left or right. Everybody gets the idea that Amazon is doing this, not because they love vacuuming robots, but because they want your data, and that they're going to leverage that in some way that might not be in our best interest. And that's a funny thing, because media across the political spectrum tends not to agree on much. But in this case, you really see everybody kind of unified in a sense of discomfort, not knowing exactly how Amazon's going to use this stuff, but mm -hmm. knowing that it's something we need to keep an eye on, at the very least. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's sort of like everybody looking up into the sky above indoor and being like, you know, the Empire has really been working hard on that giant floating satellite. Maybe it's something we should pay attention to. And in some ways, that's kind of the biggest problem that Amazon faces is the public opinion. They, they, they can solve all of these problems with technology, and it's, you know, we would be fools to say that Amazon in many ways hasn't made our lives easier 
and technology like this has improved our quality of life. I mean, I think that is true in a lot of ways. It's come at a great cost, a cost that we actually aren't even fully aware of at this point. But it's on one side, technology like this and the, you know, this AI powered sort of data mining is making our lives more convenient. But the problem is that people, as they're doing this, people are like, hey, what are you guys up to? Whoa, that's weird. It came out that, you know, ring those doorbells were sharing information with law enforcement, right? So the problem is that people are still a little guarded when it comes to their privacy. So to solve for this, Amazon has to go out. They got to win some hearts and minds. And you know, and you know how you do that? Well, if you're anything like the U.S. government that wants to win hearts and minds, you would invade a country. See, that's that Viking mindset. See, yep. we're talking too much about Vikings, and that's okay. where your mind went. So. No, in America, if we want to win hearts and minds, we put on a contest on television. Reality show. Reality, Reality show. show. That's yeah. how you win American hearts and minds. So how's uh, Amazon going to do this? Well, now that it has bought Ring, it is launching a television show called Ring Nation. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's hosted by the very funny and very well-respected Wanda Sykes. It's a, it's basically an America's Funniest Home Videos type of show, but it features exclusively footage captured on Ring doorbell cameras. Sure. All of America's best moments happen on the doorstep or in the street just outside of the house. It's crazy, right? It's gamifying and normalizing the idea of the surveillance state. And it's kind of so insidious because there's like, I have such a nostalgic connection to that America's Funniest Home Videos show. And now the new version of it is, here, look at all these wacky blooper clips from people being recorded when they didn't necessarily want to be recorded. It makes it seem like, oh, it's okay to share this information. Yeah. Much the way that Ring wanted to share information about protesters during the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020 with law enforcement, or a number of other times that Ring shared videos with law enforcement against the wishes of, or sometimes just without the knowledge of, the homeowners. Yeah. So I think you're right. Again, the discomfort that media is picking up on here is that, just as you say, Ring, now Amazon, wants to get you comfortable with the idea of the doorbell video being something fun, being something shareable, and being something that kind of belongs to the commons, right? Something that we collectively owns. Not only so that it's okay to share the information, but also so that it's okay to do more stuff in the eye of the ring doorbell where all that important data is being collected. Yeah, now people are going to be trying to get onto the Ring doorbell and then submitting these videos to this national television program. You know, Amazon does have a set of law enforcement guidelines. And so it's not just Ring, it's that they have a whole process of law enforcement requesting data from them in the in the investigation of a crime. And if you think about how much data Amazon has, that starts to get pretty scary about the how, the degree to which they can hold some of your civil liberties at bay. And not unlike, Brandon, a contest to get you to drink more or a boardroom where they are strategizing how to get more sugar down your gullet, we here again have this example of a large corporation, sometimes in partnership with the state, gamifying and creating fun and quirky new ways for people to do things that are not in their best interest. But it's in the best interest of the shareholders of a corporation. 
One of the things I think about a lot when I read these stories and hear this stuff is what's ultimately going to be the harm. The advantage is they have all this data on us, just like Google, Facebook, and they can use that to advertise products to us better. The consequence, which we've come to learn, is something called surveillance capitalism, where they're spying on us in all these ways. Not only can they figure out what we want, what we're responding to, but they can actually, because there's such large data sets, they can anticipate what we're going to do, and in that way they can guide our behavior. Then who the hell anticipated Coca-Cola Dream World coming? Some things are beyond the pale. Some things <laughs> there's not enough data to anticipate. And yet there's nothing at all surprising about it. Yeah. But I also think it's worth considering at this point what else is going on if you look a little bit peripherally to real-world consequences of corporations working with government in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned. You have these cases where women or teenagers are being found out like in the case of the Nebraska teenager who had messages on Facebook about getting an abortion. Facebook turned that over to the state of Nebraska, and they're now prosecuting her for that. That's the kind of stuff that really shines light on the extreme dangers of crossing this line. And it's also one of the places where you really see the uniformity of the media break down. Suddenly, certain media on the right go silent about it, media on the left obviously raises a hue and cry. But that's that's really nightmare scenario stuff. That's yeah terrifying. Totally. It's terrifying because it all of this relies on an assumption that companies will be acting in good faith. Right? If you talk to like any kind of very wealthy technocrat at the helm of any of these big tech companies, what they are saying is that they are changing the world and making it better through technology. That's that is the party line for all technology. That's it's using innovation to solve previously intractable problems uh, that human civilization is facing. And in some cases, it is true. Amazon, in some cases, is has the ability to do good things with their data. Amazon, like AWS is what like half the internet is built on. Like there's a lot of things that are, that these companies do that do a great deal of good for humanity and civilization. The problem is, is that there's this whole other set of possible bad things that can happen. And we're just kind of allowing all of our trust to be placed in a entity that is ultimately concerned with making money. They're ultimately concerned in expanding forever and forever. They are these Vikings, right? They are these people and these entities that are never going to stop. And if that is what's motivating them, and then they also have all of your data, and then like government is entirely intertwined with the corporate state, then this is this is a pretty big recipe for disaster. Yeah, potentially. I mean, we've been here before. That's the one advantage of it. If you look at the oil industry, companies like Standard Oil in the early part of the 20th century got huge and yeah. leveraged that power to essentially get American civilization to the top of the heap. You know, we have cars, we have buses, transportation is a thing that increased the ability of commerce and increased the ability to travel, all of those things. A lot of good came out of, <laughs> this may be a controversial statement now, but uh -oh. a lot of good came out of oil for a long time. All right. And now we are able to see the consequences of that and have to pivot. And there's a lot of resistance to that, obviously, from the forces that are now so deeply embedded in the culture that it's hard to extract them. 
what's tough now is to separate the good things like cheaper groceries from the bad things like turning over private information about our bodies to law enforcement. And that's a pretty obvious one in that case. But when it comes to algorithms predicting our behavior and then pointing us in certain directions, it gets harder and harder. So that's what we're sort of wrestling with now is that it's neither entirely good nor entirely bad. Yeah. You know, it's not always going to look like a bunch of yahoos on a boat coming ashore with burning torches and axes and stuff. Yeah. That's the stuff you know, Stephen. That's the stuff you can say, I think that might not be the best thing we need right now. Hey, Vikings, stop. On the other hand, Stephen, the Vikings did a lot of good for exploration and for spreading culture around. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's never really easy to know. I mean, I guess the trick is... You know, you always want to keep an eye on the horizon and see what's coming over it, whether it's dudes in a boat, whether it's a TV show that has sort of questionable goals. The show's going to suck. You're probably right. I mean, I'll watch at least one episode. Of course. And like the Vikings and these Norsemen who are essentially innovating to figure out ways to conquer more territory and travel further than the previous generation, people are always going to be seeking out new new territory and new ground and then with something like amazon and all these other big tech companies that are relying on our data that the final frontier is us and so in order to make us feel better about that they got to start entertaining us and normalizing this idea that they're going to be doing this to us the, the ring show is like saying the quiet part out loud yeah i mean that's given us a lot to think about today yeah and if you need me steven <laughs> Me and my buddy Lenny, the robot, will be at the nearest Izakaya, drinking away our woes. Yep. Stephen, this has been Journos. It has been Journos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I am Stephen Jackson. We'll see you on the horizon, baby. <laughs> <laughs>